and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. If you want to let us know what you think about what we think, try emailing the program. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up at the bottom of this hour, it's our weekly edition of Fake News or Not. But uh, we're going to turn the tables uh, this week on Fake News or Not a little bit. We're going to go through the other side of the looking glass. And on purpose, Todd and Aaron have no idea yet what that means. And they're going to soon find out. Also coming up a little bit later on, we'll talk about the latest fronts in the culture war. Today's Truth Bomb, some Pop Culture Tuesday. I, I saw a wretched movie yesterday. But I woke up this morning wondering, maybe I maybe I was wrong. Oh, it's it's a wretched movie. It's terrible. But but maybe it is a brilliant troll job. I will explain coming up a little bit later on. But first, here's what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Good Morning. Have a great day. And what a great day it was for Donald Trump. He got to enjoy watching his longtime nemesis, Robert Mueller, in the Russia investigation vindicate him and watch the media and the left, pardon the redundancy, continue to clutch onto some hope that he's somehow a Russian agent. Just because there was not enough evidence for a criminal charge of conspiracy does not mean that this very cozy relationship that Donald Trump has with Vladimir Putin, who, by the way, must be really happy uh, that this came about, that this kind of cozy relationship that is not good for our country. Trump moves to weaponize Mueller findings. CNN President Jeff Zucker says we are not investigating we are journalists, and our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did. Yes, that's the general tone of the media trying to give the entire country a roofie in order to try to make them forget what they just saw. I knew it. I always Take knew this, that. Forget it. No, no, put the mask no, back on. No, no, forget no. this, Michael. No, forget, forget, Michael. No, forget. Now you're forgetting. Now God. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget. Stupid, forgetful Michael. Here's what Democratic presidential hopeful Cory Booker had to say. Real collusion going on, you said. Do you now have to revise that to say not chargeable collusion? Again, when I have a attorney general who, in my opinion, is suspect, filtering a report that I have not seen, I'm not willing to conclude anything yet based upon a letter that he wrote. So you, but, but let me, let, let's ask press about me. It. Yeah, press me on that. But Bob Mueller didn't charge anyone for conspiracy collusion on the election. Right. So you know that at the criminal level, Bob Mueller's now done. He's not doing the probe anymore. Bob Mueller is a soldier that knows that his department has said a sitting president cannot be charged, cannot be indicted. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, I, I think that this is, a, this is an issue for Congress. Let's look at the fact pattern. Let's look at the report and come to our own conclusion. Okay. So not only did that happen, but another longtime nemesis of the president's, the porn lawyer Michael Avenetti, was arrested for his role in an attempt to extort Nike out of millions of dollars. All of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. Oh. Oh. 
And on top of that, his co-conspirator, Mark Garagos, who was also arrested, is a CNN contributor and the lawyer for Jussie Smollett. Are you freaking kidding me? President Trump's Department of Justice, going further than it has before, said it supports yesterday a federal judge's ruling that President Barack Obama's signature health care law, the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, is unconstitutional. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced the expansion to the Mexico City policy, saying, quote, This administration has shown that we can continue to meet our global health goals while refusing to subsidize the killing of unborn babies. CNN suddenly clears about a clump of cells. Nine labor and delivery nurses at a main hospital are all expecting babies around the same time. Eight showed off their baby bumps while holding placards with their due dates. New York Times op-ed, a God problem. Perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing. The idea of the deity most Westerners accept is actually not coherent. And finally, what the ever-loving heck. And that's what happened while we were away. Do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? Aaron's Montage today brought to you by our friends at WaxRx. Because if these problems sound familiar to you, you could be like millions of Americans that are forced to visit the doctor for a professional ear cleaning. But now you can get the same professional results in the comfort and convenience of your own home. WaxRx uses physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes ear wax buildup and then will soothe the ear with a pH condition formula. And now you can use WaxRx without a prescription. Here's how. Try the the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. Usewaxrx.com. Use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping at usewaxrx.com. Remember, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. No prescription, no long waits at the doctor's office right now. Usewaxrx.com. Um, we're going to get into how the, uh, the media has recovered from the, uh, the, the giant middle finger. Bob Mueller dropped on them on Sunday uh, with his uh, report. We're going to get into that today on the Blaze Roundtable, but we're going to approach it from this angle. I'm, I'm really not interested in fact-checking these people anymore, and we're just we're just not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to fact-check them any more than I fact-check Russia today or I fact-check uh, the Iranian news agencies. I, I, they're the enemy. They're, they're, they're part of another country. I'm not fact-checking propaganda. You shouldn't even watch it. And you know what? You don't. I look at the ratings. You don't watch it. It's a scant. Per- and it's not just you and audiences like this that don't watch. Like like most Americans don't watch this. 
Uh, they're not consuming it. Okay. Um, but I, but I, I think I'm, we're going to look at it because I want to be fair. All right. I'm not allowed to abandon, you know, my faith doesn't permit me to abandon my standard because Rome around me has abandoned theirs. When in Rome, do as the Romans is not, that, that's not in the Bible. Or it's right there next to uh, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Second hesitations. Okay. Not in there. All right. Uh, so I have made some pretty stark pronouncements about the state of the media in recent days. And I think it is fair to see, was there any self-awareness at all? Did anybody tell the truth at all in response to the Mueller report that came out on Sunday? So that's the angle we're going to take. You know, if, if there's needles in haystacks that ought to be acknowledged, I want us to acknowledge them. All right. We don't like being painted with a broad brush by our adversaries, right? Correct. So let's not do to other people what we would not want to have done unto ourselves. Okay. So we're going to look at it from that angle. I, I am not interested in fact checking them and we're just, we're going to do that very rarely. I, I don't want to say never because there may be an extreme circumstance that requires it, but I, I, I it's just a waste of everybody's time. Okay, I mean, it's like fact-checking the message board of your rival. It's like me as a Michigan fan jumping on the Ohio State message boards and fact-checking people. What would be? What, what is the point of that? It's Aaron and it's it's at this point it's Aaron and Todd fact-checking each other over Iowa and Wisconsin. It's a pointless exercise that still may be fun to tune into every now and then, but it but it literally has it it, it has no end game. It's it's a pointless endeavor. That's all true. Okay. <sighs> But I have to ask, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I <laughs> I saw this video this morning, and I. I Mea culpa, mea culpa. My sins, my sins, my most grievous sins. I apologize on behalf of Catholicism for that. I I, I got I, nothing. I I thought it, this is in in real time, like something that really happened. It was like Daniel Day Lewis weird. Yeah. Like I I'm I was humanly uncomfortable watching it. Like I'm I'm like, this is It was a Monty Python sketch. Yeah, it's like watching someone wedgie themselves. It's like somebody giving themselves a chocolate swirly in the boys' locker room. I mean, I was just no. I, I had that that feeling you get when you see another guy take one in the manlies and you f instinctively kind of feel it uncomfortably in a way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And this ladies and gentlemen is why you need to subscribe to the premium edition of the Steve day show. So you could see what we're talking. Yes. About. Because any commentary we are about to provide does not do this video of the Pope justice. And you have to see this for yourself. And so I was going to comment on it this morning and then I, I'm not, because I, I might be reading this wrong. I don't know the tradition. I don't know the ritual as an evangelical. Maybe there's a part of this I don't understand. You know, maybe these are like people from other countries that didn't know what the order of things were. And so at first, maybe the Pope was friendly and letting them kiss the ring. And then other people took their cue that this was okay and a violation of his space. And he was kind of policing that. You know, like I'm trying to give this the, the most benefit of the doubt I possibly could because— yeah, you looking away to cough. I wanted to turn and cough. That's what I wanted to do watching this. It it was one of the most awkward things that was real I've ever seen. 
Can, can, can you explain to our audience no. what no. we just saw there? No. No. I mean, I'm literally being overcome. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's going to surprise anybody that there's a royalty aspect to the Catholic Church. And so the kissing of the ring is reflective of that. And a pope like Pope John Paul II, who was clearly a man of the people, also, though, there's you, you, you'll be able to see any number of scenes of uh, people kissing the ring because it's not just about John Paul II, the man, but the fact that he is the vicar of the Christ. He is the pope. And he was comfortable with that for like the third longest pertificate in the history of man. I'm, I'm just telling I I'm looking forward to when this pontificate is over, because th that is an example of what he always does in terms of making whatever issues on the table way murkier and cloudier and no one understands what's going on and why people think he might even be dabbling in hereticism because he just can't be clear about anything. How is this not dealt with before the camera is turned on? How are you not telling people like this dude why just doesn't like the ring kissing? Well, we're not going to, so we're not going to go and do this over and over again. It's almost like he wanted this to happen and he wanted people to see this happen. He wanted to what? See contempt for the, the people who are his sheep. That's his flock. It was contemptuous. It was appalling. I want it to be over. This is one of the reasons why it, it, conspiracy theories take a really require a real high threshold for me. Okay, there probably has never been an, an, an endeavor in the history of human history that uh, has had more conspiracy theories associated with it than the Catholic Church has. I can after watching that video. I'm, I'm right now. I'm I'm willing as a as as, as an as a dedicated evangelical. I'm willing to to pronounce most of them false, because an institution that lets that video out, as damaging as that is, no way they're pulling off. You know, yeah, we're Dan, not the down, Illuminati guys. Yeah, you're not you're not pulling off Dan Brown books. Okay, if you let that video out, I could not believe they let it out. And then watching it, I've watched it several times. Is that a cardinal next to him? I'd have to go see it myself, okay. honestly. Um, but he's not wearing just the traditional colors of a priest. He holds some kind of office there within the church, the guy to the, his left, the Pope's left. You can see, if you watch the video, because knowing what was coming now, I watched some of the ancillary people around this last go around to see what their reaction to this was. You could sense his uncomfortable watching the video that the first couple of people that kiss the ring and the Pope is, is gracious. He's smiling. And then as it goes on and the Pope becomes more pronounced about pulling his hand away from people. And you can see the guy literally turn away from watching. I didn't notice it. The wow. visual of what's in front of him. And then there's a gentleman and his wife towards the end, towards the end of the video that actually attempt to speak to the Pope after he's pulled their hand and he won't even look their way that or acknowledge awesome. them at all. And that same guy, then I just referred to the church official to his left, um, tries to smile and be gracious about it. You know what I saw, you know, here's what to me, you want to know what that video is a, is a presentation of no BS, no BS. That is, that is the progressive mind in a nutshell. For all of their claims about the downtrodden, 
for all of their claims about the, 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 the dregs of society that are left behind and for all of their alleged bleeding hearts. They love to live in their gated communities. They love to count your carbon footprint as they jet around the world in, in, in you know, the latest airplane technology and their SUVs between rides. The level of disdain there. Heretics in the traditional sense don't do things like that. One of the, way, one of the ways they, if you look at the, a lot of the great heresies associated with church history, a lot of them were uh, folks that did a real that, that found an audience with the average common person who felt disassociated from the church, who felt like they were detached from, you just mentioned it, the royalty aspect of church history. It's rare that it's only been in recent human history with the advent of, um, you know, higher education, secular higher education, that heresies have actually come from the elite classes. Throughout much of history, you go through, you go to the beginning, Arius, Marcion, um, the, the, the so-called lost gospels, you know, that are heresies. These were things that were peddled amongst the folks that felt like society had kind of left them behind. That's, they, these people found favor with, the, with those people. This is, this, is, this is a different kind of, this is, this is a syncretism. This is a mixing of progressive ideology with, with ecclesiology. Because the disdain that progressives have for the very people that they claim to care the most about, you can see that play itself out in that, in that clip. You know, I mean, these are the people that, you know, you can't have a wall defending your southern border, but they can all live in gated communities and have walls uh, protecting their homesteads. You can't have um, your taxes returned to you to send your kids to private school. And if you want to do that, you're a racist, misogynist, homophobe, don't you know? But they can all send their kids to the Sidwell School for Friends and every other private school that you can't afford. That's what I see when I see that video is I see the disdain progressivism has for the actual people that it claims to care the most about. What are your thoughts? That's entirely fair. Uh, what I also see is the continuing tragedy of a papacy that is constantly being thought of and remembered uh, for tripping uh, over its own two feet instead of being known for what, honestly, this pope, this pope has honestly issued one of the greatest money lines of modern moral history when he said that people, uh, if committing abortion is like hiring a hitman, that's how you do it. That was stone cold. That was that was President Obama going off into a foreign country and said, yeah, I, I don't care under cover of darkness, but that's where Bin Laden is, and we're taking him out. But we, th this pope is never going to be known for that, and that's what his entire papacy and Every pope's entire papacy is supposed to be about that level of clarity, not this bumbled Mr. Bean Monty Python show that keeps showing up at our doorstep. We've had an ongoing dialogue discussion over the last couple of years where this pope is concerned. And to me, I, I kind of believe now the stuff when that when the stuff that comes out of his office along the lines of what you just said, I kind of believe that's, that's the grist for the mill. I, I think that is stuff that is that, um, 
is 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 said to essentially um, uh, provide a ghetto pass or hold off um, detractors from the from uh, you know traditionalists within the church, and you throw some red a red meat line out there. That's a fig leaf. I I think you know. Well, then this pontificate is the current Republican Party. That's, what I, I, it is. that's exactly what I believe. Yeah. I think that's his that's his version of Mitch McConnell showing up at CPAC waving an AR-15. Yep. And then the minute he gets mm-hmm. backstage, he hands it off to some orderly or intern and says, get that away from me and hand me the hand sanitizer. That's exactly what I think that it is. Yeah. It's fair. It's sad. Um, I, I, it's sad is what it is. And what you see is that this is why I have long referred to progressivism as the heresy of the age. It it is the spirit of the age. And you know, what's funny is I get emails whenever we bring this up in any context involving any religious institution, people within our audience who are adherents of other religious institutions will always email me with examples of them seeing this happening in their worship as well. Okay. You see this in Judaism where there is, there, there is as if, 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 um, it, it's almost now where we're anti-Zionists now. I'll, I'll get emails from from Jews from from Jews observant Jews, Orthodox Jews in our audience saying they see this at their synagogues, where where the progressives in their own synagogues turn against Israel now, because they need their views to align with the progressive hive mind, and so they literally choose their allegiance to the progressive hive mind, um, you know, over their homeland. Um, I will, we see this in evangelicalism. I made a reference to this yesterday, you know, where you literally see teachers like Beth Moore have decided since Trump has said some unseemly things that we're just now going to swerve into the heresy of, of social justice. Now, this is, this is what progressivism is, is it's intent. The reason why I wrote nefarious as a corporate takedown of a, of a culture, our own is because the goal of of progressivism is to do this. Anything that upholds any form of moral or philosophical orthodoxy whatsoever is the enemy of progressivism. And so what's the moral underpinning? Is Judeo-Christian moral philosophy. And so it has to go. And so this is a unique... This is a unique era, I think, in that we're not dealing with something that is um, that is specifically targeting uh, Judaism or Christianity, if you have an Old or a New Testament view. You're dealing with something that is, is seeking to undo a culture and a civilization inspired by that view. You see what I'm trying to say? Sure. And... Um, and I think that's why you're seeing, just as we saw with the advent of Roe v. Wade in the seventies and the eighties, I think that's why you're seeing, you saw in that era, Catholics and Protestants who went centuries without being able to occupy the same room together, um, realizing what the advent of, of this evil meant to a culture. And that there was a clear and present danger that required them working together to oppose it. And I think you are seeing this amongst uh, observant and traditional Jews and Christians. 
where you're seeing a unique era of unity and cooperation in this regard, where um, the clear and present danger of what progressivism wants to do to a way of life that will give you the luxury of being able to freely, without bloodshed or violence, debate your religious differences and philosophical um, uh, you know, uh, beliefs is being threatened and being done with altogether, done away with altogether in order to serve the state and the hive mind. And, and that's why it's not as simple as they're picking on the Catholics or they're picking on the evangelicals or they're picking on the Jews. It's not, this is, this is a contagion. And, and I don't, and I want to make this point clear too, because I know there's some of you are going to send me this email right now. I'm not saying we abandon the things we disagree on. Of course not. I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm not, I'm not like that would kind of make me guilty of what I'm accusing Beth, people of Beth more of. Like, I'm not going to suddenly have a fresh new perspective on the Virgin Mary because we have a common enemy. That's not what I'm saying. All right. That doesn't mean you couldn't change my mind, but you would have to actually make an intellectual case. Like, I'm not going to say because we agree on a common enemy that suddenly I'm going to I'm going to automatically swerve into areas where in the past I've disagreed. I, I don't I'm not going to abandon the distinctiveness of my belief system at all unless you convince me that it's wrong. But you're going to have to objectively convince me it's wrong. I'm not going to abandon it in order because we see this particular circumstance similarly. Does that make sense? Of course. Like, I, I have no problem with Beth Moore being offended or appalled, and I'm just kind of using her because I've admired a lot of her work and she's in the news a lot, but she's not alone. I don't disagree with many of her criticisms of Donald Trump. I've aired him myself. I just don't think that's an excuse to say, hey, we're Marxists now. No, no. You don't abandon the distinctiveness of your own viewpoints because of an external stimuli. And if you do, I kind of have to question whether you actually ever believe those things yes, in the first place. That's right? Fair. Okay. So I'm not saying we should abandon our distinctiveness. I'm not saying the debate over whether Jesus is Messiah is no longer relevant. It's even more relevant than it ever was before. What I'm saying, though, is adults can walk and chew gum at the same time. And we have to recognize this is a we're either going to hang separately or we're going to hang alone here kind of a thing. All right. This contagion of progressivism doesn't care what your banner or brand of moral orthodoxy is. It wants to take you out. And, it, and that's why you're seeing this leftist encroachment on all these various traditional religious systems that have had vehement disagreements with each other in the past. Why does progressivism view them all as a simultaneous threat when they haven't been able to think simultaneously that often in history? Why does progressivism see them as a threat? Because they're the ones that are that are, are the undergirding the foundations of American exceptionalism. That's why. And if you cut off the head of the snake, what happens to the rest of the snake? If you are if you are a representative of the Judeo-Christian moral orthodoxy. You represent the head of the snake, and you're the primary target of progressivism. Thoughts? We hang together or we hang separately. That's my thought on that. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah. Um, when it comes, we, we've talked about, and I think it's a good time to reset this word, um, uh, iconoclasms uh, or iconoclast. Uh, people who just want to tear down any moorings or any representation 
of uh, the traditional moral orthodoxy. And we see that everywhere. Don't you pine for the days, guys? Don't you seriously pine for the days where we were out here, I don't want to say clutching our pearls, but holding a stitch in our chest that all of these lawsuits that the ACLU and the Freedom for Religion Foundation were bringing against county and, and uh, regional and, and circuit courthouses to get rid of the Ten Commandments. How, when was the last time you heard a story like that? Mm-hmm. No, 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 we're on to can men lactate? Yes. Um, let's see, can a female have a penis? And someday, someday, it's, all, it's going to be um, not all men have vaginas. That's that's what we're heading to because they want to ter- tear down yes anything yeah remotely related to the natural order to the natural law the way that God intended things to be the way that He created them th- th- created things to be um, it will not always appear I don't think I don't believe I don't believe it's always going to appear this nasty and this weird when it comes to progressivism because as soon as they get the chance they will, will replace our natural law with their natural that's right. law that's exactly and it will right. imitate the real thing but it will not be the real thing that's that is exactly right all right we'll come back and i'm gonna turn the tables here on fake news or not this week stay tuned live and on demand on the blaze next There are 50 million kids in America attending government schools. And you know what? The left's not even trying to hide it anymore. They've made it clear that when given control over those schools, they intend to indoctrinate the next generation into their ideology. And and that also doesn't just mean that these kids are getting brainwashed from a worldview standpoint, but basic skills like um, reading, writing, arithmetic, American history. They have been replaced with uh, social justice, uh, gender confusion, test-driven instruction. They don't want to do critical thinking uh, because you might uh, critically think your way out of the conclusions they're trying to indoctrinate you with. So thankfully, you've got a choice, and that's why Freedom Project Academy was created. Freedom Project Academy is an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students in kindergarten through high school. Freedom Project Academy has taken the interaction of the traditional classroom and created an online atmosphere where students across the country are instructed by live teachers in small classrooms who teach students how to think not what to think. If you want to learn more, go to freedomforschool.com and request a free information packet today. Again, that website is freedomforschool.com, freedomforschool.com. And if you decide to enroll before March 31st, you can take advantage of their best early bird discount, freedomforschool.com. All right. So this is fake news or not. And um, we told you about a month ago, we were going to change the way we were going to do this show. That if, if we had come to the conclusion, this was before, long before uh, we ever, in, we, in fact, at the time we made this decision, we would have never envisioned Bob Mueller would come back with, this was a hoax all along. Like, no one in their right mind, you know, we were talking about this yesterday off the air. You guys know, this was a little reported story, but like two weeks ago, Trump hired a team of like 75 lawyers. 
anticipating that the Mueller report was coming and was going to provide a roadmap for obstruction of justice and a House impeachment. They were they were lawyering up. All right. No one, no one believed that Bob Mueller was going to come back with. You've all been had. This is a scam. No one thought that was going to happen. So even before this occurred, based on what we saw and kind of the last straw for me was the Covington Catholic story. But I was kind of getting there with Brett Kavanaugh last fall. But the Covington Catholic story was kind of the, the, the it was the straw that broke the camel's back for me that we, we had moved beyond bias media to opposition media. We had moved beyond fake news to outright narrative casting propaganda now that what airs on these channels is the equivalent of a lit drop from an invading army propaganda. They're just lit dropping you with their propaganda now. Um, and so we changed our approach to fake news or not. We were going to dramatically diminish the amount of dispatches from left America and, and take a look at how truthful is the news or what's being presented anyway as the news that is meant for what's left of America. How much are the people that we are told to trust are being trustworthy, right? That, that's been yes. our focus, okay? That's a two-way street. This is not a one-sided relationship. That there has to be a receiver on the other end. In fact, just as we were starting the show, as I was coming in to do the show today, uh, out in the break room, a guy stopped me and said, uh, you dropping any truth bombs today? And I said to him, well, we're going to do our best to drop truth bombs. Just It's a matter of whether there's anybody there to receive them. And, and I think we have to ask ourselves, Are we fake news? I don't mean our show or the blaze. I mean ourselves as Americans. Last year, Daniel Horowitz and I had this ongoing debate on the show. Do you guys remember this debate we had last year? Cheez-Its or steak? Sure. That do most of our people want Cheez-Its because they're not offered steak? And when you're not offered steak and Cheez-Its and, and the option of real food isn't on the menu... Vendo land looks great when that's all there is, right? It does. Or is Vendo land all there is? Because that's what the people want, which is it? And so Daniel and I had this reoccurring argument back and forth. And at different times of the year, we would have the other side of the argument, depending on whatever our perspective was at the time. But it was this ongoing theme throughout 2018. Well, 2019, our theme is no BS. And I am coming to the conclusion that with limited exceptions aside, and you see the success of someone like Ben Shapiro, he is an outlier in our industry. Most of the people that have acquired new star status didn't do it the way he's done it. That's why, even though he's at a technically a competing enterprise, I'm ecstatic to see Ben's success. 
because he's done it without going orange man bad or Cheeto Jesus saves. He's keeping it 100, as the kids say today. He's keeping it real, as we used to say. Most, though, of the of the new people that have become new stars, new hotnesses, that you didn't know who they were a year, two, three, four years ago. That's not true. Most of them did it the orange man bad or Cheeto Jesus way. And I think the challenge for us now, and when I say us, I'm, I'm saying now as a fellow consumer like you, all right? Not, this is, I'm, uh, this is now, I'm a guy named Steve. I'm not Steve Day's host of the show on The Blaze. I'm a guy named Steve, consumer like you in the audience now, all right? I think the challenge for us will be with the obvious foil of the Mueller investigation done now. Will we show that there are stars to be made advancing what we claim to believe? Because there were several people as well that turned their whole careers into deconstruction of the Russian collusion hoax. Now that that hoax is confirmed, what will they do now? For example, this morning, Laura Ingram tweeted out that ICE has permitted, now that we've gone back to Obama's catch and release, and if you claim you have an unaccompanied minor, you might be a human trafficker. With That's why you've got unaccompanied minors. You might be a human trafficker. You might be an MS-13 gang. Well, we got to let you in because, you know, for the kids. Because, see, that's why the separations were happening. That's why Obama began the separations. That's the part of the story they, like, never tell you. The reason the separations were happening is because human traffickers were bringing children across the border claiming, this is my daughter. This is my son. And with no way to confirm that, it was just as likely they were being trafficked as these were actual families. Well, we got rid of all that now. Laura Ingram put on her Twitter this morning, and I retweeted it. 183,000 quote-unquote families with unaccompanied minors have been allowed into the country so far this year. It's not even April yet. No, it's not. I'm glad Laura did that, but here's what we need Laura Ingram to do. That needs to be her whole show tonight and tomorrow and the next night. See, I, I, I don't believe most of us really want truth bombs. I made an analogy last segment that I think is what most of us really want. I think most of us really want our news to be the equivalent of when my the team I hate the most loses a game, I jump on their message board to see and watch their meltdowns. Like when Ohio, I'm pissed that my team didn't make the college football playoff or the Rose Bowl. So when Ohio State goes there and gets their asses kicked, I jump on the Buckeye boards and laugh 
at their meltdowns. Ha, 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 ha. That's what I think most of us want the media to be. Like, I, 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 I don't think if, if those people who became sudden stars deconstructing the Russian collusion hoax, if they decided, all right, now we got to do something about this border situation and, ha- and hold the Trump administration accountable with the stuff they promised us they were going to do, I think their numbers would plummet. And that's why they won't do it. I want you to prove me wrong. Because I don't know that I've ever wanted to be wrong about something more, in, and I mean it, in my entire life. Because I've devoted most of my adult life to this. And I want to, be, I want to know. I'm at that middle age stage now where I want to know I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror guy now. You know, I'm, am, I, am I doing this right? You know, I'll, I'll finish the race. If you want to know why most men don't finish their race as well, and most don't, even in the Bible you see this, most men don't finish the race well. Solomon didn't finish the race well. David didn't finish the race well. Most of the time, the men don't finish the race well. And most of the time, it's because they looked in the mirror and doubted the, the credibility of their cause. And they looked around and they said, you know, they're cutting corners over there, getting away with it. They're lying over there and getting away with it. They're literally just making poop up over there and getting away with it. And the very people that I think I'm out here trying to hold the line for turn on me constantly. Why don't I cut the same corners? Why don't I do what everybody else is doing? See, that's why most men don't finish well. So that point in the middle of the race where they're tired and they look in the mirror and they say to themselves, that dude couldn't hold my jock strap and he's sitting on a platform getting a gold medal. When we know he was taking steroids the entire time and no one held him accountable for it. What's up with that? So why should I consider, why should I continue doing the Hulk Hogan, saying my prayers, eating my vitamins? Oh yeah, I just found out he's on steroids too. Why am I not taking him? Know what I'm saying? So I think, I'd like you to prove to me as consumers, you're not fake news. Because, see, everybody likes to talk about Fox going in the tank for Trump. You know what everybody forgets? Fox tried to take Trump out. That first debate, I remember writing a column for USA Today about it. That first debate Fox held in September, Trump was so mad at what Megyn Kelly, Megyn Kelly tried to take him down right there. That was where he made the comments about her bleeding from her whatever. Remember that? Yeah. Roger Ailes didn't want any part of Donald Trump being the GOP nominee at first. They tried to end him. That's why they put their two attack dogs, Chris Wallace and Megyn Kelly, on the case. They wanted to take him down. And then when they couldn't take him down, then it was um, all Marco Rubio all the time. Remember that? I do. Yeah, we went through the Iowa caucuses, Marco Rubio with the greatest third place finish of all time. No one had ever, ever had a better third place finish for Evs. The greatest third place finish in the history of the Federation of Class M Planets. They did that too. They did everything they could. And then finally, their audience said, we want Trump. 
We want some Trump. Like me some Trump, man. Give me Trump. Trump, yeah. That's what I want. So Fox, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. They gave you what you wanted. And then you wanted to be told that the only reason Trump lost five states in a row to Cruz in the primary is because Cruz was stealing elections. So Fox told you that and basically ended the Cruz campaign overnight once they started doing that. They didn't line up with this from the beginning at all. Fox's brass was doing meetings with Trump, who was convinced they were out to get him because they were. <laughs> I mean, we have such short memories. I don't believe if Rush Limbaugh and those people had told the truth about Trump in the primary, I think their audiences would have turned on them. See, I think we've had it wrong all this time. I don't know. You tell me. You go to your local Republican Party meeting. How many of the people there are really interested in advancing what they claim is in the platform that they really believe? And how many of them just want to talk about how the media is biased and how their guy's great, no matter who their guy is, he's great. You tell me. See, I, I think our conservatism's fake news. That's what I think. I think we just want to troll the rival team we don't like. I think I never left sports talk radio. That's what I think. And I think that if I sat here and fact-checked CNN, and we put those videos on Facebook, and I sat here and I fact-checked Fox, and we put those videos on Facebook, which one do you think would get more clicks about 10 to 1? Which one? CNN. Which one has more viewers, though? It's not even close. It's Fox. Which one? Which one has much more of an impact on whether it's on, on the? Uh, which one's credibility has much more of an impact on what's conveyed into the homes of most Fox. of our audience? It's not even close. I want to be wrong about this, but I don't think that I am. You're not. So, I mean, when the Mueller thing is gone, what's our next foil? When, when, do we, when will we begin actually advancing our policies, do you think? When do you think we begin, you know, orchestrate? What, what is the point of winning elections only to then just let everything the left has already done to the country stand and fund it? What, what, what is the point of that? You know, there's only one point. Occam's razor. Whichever explanation requires the fewest amount of assumptions must be true. That this is a sporting contest. And I just don't like the rival team and I like it when my team wins. But as much as I like it as when my team wins, I like it even more when the other team loses. I get off on it. I love jumping on their message boards. I love listening to their radio shows, listen to their fans meltdown. That's what I really like. That's, that's what I really want. Late last year, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office released a grand jury report noting that law enforcement had received 2,000 complaints of deed fraud 
and almost every case involved a faulty notarization. The problem is so bad, the grand jury called it an epidemic. Criminals look for vulnerable properties, scan the obituaries, and pour through public records. It can take as little as a forged deed to transfer ownership of a home, and it's almost impossible to reverse. Once the title is transferred, the fraudsters take out a mortgage, sell the property. Sometimes they even rent it out. Don't let this happen to you. Protect your most valuable asset, your own home, particularly the equity in your home. For pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title and mortgage. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your home to learn if your title has already been stolen. And if you register your home now, you'll receive a free title scan and report. That's a $100 value. You'll get it today for free by going to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. Let me reiterate my question. Are we going to move on to our new foil, or are we going to get about the business of actually taking back the country that's been taken from us? Which will it be? Do you like winning championships, or do you like it when your hated rival loses them more? Which is it? Let's find out. Hour 2 is next. We're back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace, and you are you. You can let us know who you are via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. For those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or on the podcast, if you are listening on the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Thank you to all of you that have already done so. We appreciate you. You can also like us on Facebook, but since we've been shadow banned there, I probably need you to click like 24 times uh, for at least one of them to register. So thank you. Uh, And then also follow us on Twitter, where we'll likely also soon be shadow banned at Steve Dace Show. So follow me there now while you still can. Uh, Coming up later in this hour, uh, today's uh, truth bomb. Also, I'm, I'm rethinking my review of a new film that's total trash. And it's like the best reviewed film on Rotten Tomatoes of the year so far. And the movie is just hot garbage. And I'm beginning to wonder, though, Given what this who, what this filmmaker's previous work was and the reaction that he got to it, I'm actually, I'm wondering if it's intentional. Could this be next level trash? A next level troll? I'm talking about Jordan Peele's movie, Us. And we're going to be talking about that on Pop Culture Tuesday coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour. Speaking of films, you may have heard about the controversy surrounding the new movie, Unplanned. We had Ashley Bratcher, the lead actress uh, from the film, who plays Abby Johnson in the movie. She was on our show yesterday. Uh, Well, the lefties over at the MPAA, and when I say lefties, I'm not making that up. The guy who runs the Motion Picture Association of America's Ratings Board is literally a former Obama administration official, guys. All right? So uh, I've seen Unplanned twice it, this doesn't have F-bombs. It's not gory. Uh, there's no gratuitous nudity or sex. Uh, you know, the stuff they typically allow in PG-13 movies nowadays. The reason this movie was given an R rating is because it effectively steps on the neck of a shibboleth of the damned. So they're hoping to hide the movie uh, from its primary audience who may say, hey, rated R movies aren't for us. Don't let them get away with it. When this movie comes out on Friday, it is worth you 
taking multiple friends and family to go and see. Uh, but don't just take my word for it. Check out the website, unplannedfilm.com. You can watch the preview uh, yourself today. Unplannedfilm.com. I promise you, you will not be the same after you see this movie. Um, it's devastatingly effective. Unplannedfilm.com. Monica Burke joins us now uh, with the Heritage Foundation. We want to welcome her to the blaze. Monica, good to see you. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Wanted to give you a chance to tell our audience about something called the Equality Act. Let's start there. What is this and why should they be concerned? Yes. So the Equality Act would elevate new categories to federal civil rights law, namely sexual orientation and gender identity. And while this bill perhaps sounds innocuous at first, in practice, it would be extremely dangerous and pose an imminent threat to our First Amendment liberties. And that's why we need to take a good close look at what this bill actually does. This sounds like this is this a, a variation of what, what used to be known as ENDA, the uh, Employee, Employee Non-Discrimination Act, which I used to kind of define as the... Um, the holy grail of the rainbow jihad, as I like to call it, that if if you offered them a choice between so-called gay marriage or ENDA, they would take ENDA because ENDA really is what puts anybody with any sort of Judeo-Christian moral orthodoxy. You are you are you are now a second class citizen if you run a nonprofit, a business, a ministry, et cetera, overnight. Uh, it's more of even a, a you know a fundamental threat to First Amendment liberties than redefining marriage has been, and it's been quite a fundamental threat. This sounds like this is a variation of that. So the Equality Act is definitely a variation on ENDA. It would go even farther by adding sexual orientation and gender identity to federal anti-discrimination law, to law at the highest level of the land. And what kind of implications could that have for average everyday Americans? Well, first of all, it could implement a nationwide preferred pronoun policy. It would also constitute a nationwide gender identity healthcare mandate, where doctors, nurses could be forced to perform sex transition surgeries and hospitals could be forced to provide them regardless of their moral or medical reservations. And it could also affect charities and businesses, effectively shutting them down because they have a difference of opinion about biological sex or marriage. I don't, you know, you look young, not that I want to typecast you, but you look younger than me, maybe we'll say. All right. I'm 45. And when I started, my career is right when the marriage battle was was waging all over the country. And uh, there were 31 you know, or 30 plus states that had marriage amendments on the ballot. And, you know, this was a, a nationwide fight. And it, it took it took years to uh, for the other side of the argument to get to the point where um, a Governor Romney in Massachusetts would tell Catholic charities that if they don't want to do gay adoptions, they have to shut down, essentially. But it, it took them years to gain enough leverage and ground in the fight to force their views on the kinds of individuals you're talking about. Um, how in the world did the gender dysphoria movement essentially accomplish in weeks and months what with the gay rights movement has taken years to do. I mean, we're, we are at advanced stages of redefining freedom over gender confusion that it took the, uh, you know, the, the, the gay rights movement, it took them years to get to this point. Why is this decelerating so fast, do you think? So that is an excellent question. And we basically saw as soon as Obergefell versus Hodges was decided, the next frontier of the LGBT movement 
was the T, transgender. And so we've seen these gender identity laws being implemented at the state level, and we can see what's happening at the state level, which is that these bills ultimately have very serious negative implications. For example, we look to Anchorage, Alaska, where there's a biological male who requested entrance into a female women's shelter, a shelter that was for women who had been sexually abused, uh, sexually trafficked, and it's completely understandable why they would want to retain female-only facilities in order mm -hmm. to protect those women. And now that organization is being sued because they would not admit a biological male onto the premises. And so we have all kinds of situations involving gender identity, whether it's a teacher in Virginia who was fired for declining to use pronouns whatsoever, and now the school has tried to compel his speech and put his job on the line. We've also seen uh, there are adoption and foster care agencies that have been shut down in almost half a dozen states because they insist on placing children in homes with both a mother and a father consistent with their religious mission. And so when we see the fruits of these laws, ultimately what happens is the infringement upon the freedoms of everyday average Americans. And so we need to take a good hard look at this bill and say, does it actually achieve what it sets out to accomplish, which is freedom for everyone, equal treatment for everyone. And in practice, that's simply not what happens. That's a fascinating point you just made, because what I heard you say to our audience, and if I'm wrong, tell me, but Monica, what I just heard you say to our audience is when I pointed out how, how long it took the gay rights movement to get to the point that it could get government to coercively enforce its will and the gender dysphoria movement has accomplished in weeks and months what it took the gay rights movement years to do. What I heard you say is the reason why is because it's really just the same movement. They just, this is just the next phase of the, of the same operation that we saw over the marriage battle. And they're just, they're, they're, this isn't something new. They're just building upon and advancing up, uh, with the, the gains they've already made. And that's why this seems to be decelerating at this pace. And I would like to point out that even though there seems to be, for all from all appearances, a united front when it comes to the LGBT activist lobby, there is disagreement within the community about whether gender identity is the next frontier of LGBT rights. And we've seen a lot of feminists have actually come out against the Equality Act. Here at the Heritage Foundation, we actually hosted an event where we had a number of radical feminists come and present on our panel. And even though we disagree on virtually every other political issue, they found that Heritage was one of the few platforms from which they could speak the simple biological fact that women are women by virtue of their biology. That is simply scientific fact. And so there have been disagreements, for example, in the UK, where a number of radical feminists have tried to publicly protest these radical gender identity policies after situations where, for example, we had male prisoners claiming to be female and then proceeding to rape women in women's prisons. And so the UK has set a very negative precedent. We hope that here in the United States that the public will recognize that this is not the next frontier of the civil rights movement and that while we want to treat everyone with dignity, compassion and respect, the Equality Act is not the way to achieve that. You mentioned uh, two areas I wanted to ask you about before we let you go today, feminism and then what's going on in the UK. And they intersect here. Uh, you know, we had a, a, a prominent uh, leftist feminist banned from Twitter uh, earlier this year uh, because she was saying, guys, I'm a feminist. Um, I, I want women to be number one in the battle of the sexes. And the last damn thing I want is to have, I, I actually don't like men. I want, I want to end the patriarchy. And you're telling me the way to end the patriarchy is to let men take things away from women because they feel pretty. She was banned 
<laughs> she was banned from Twitter for essentially being a consistent egalitarian feminist. And then the story out of the UK last week of the uh, of the Christian um, news media person who is who is being investigated by UK police. And this was over. This was all over Good Morning UK uh, because she refused to. She's been accused of misgendering on her Twitter account, and and that is a federal offense there uh, in the UK. And I I was telling our audience a few days ago. This is coming your way very, very soon. Am I being reactionary, paranoid, or am I just providing them a movie trailer, Monica? I think that the UK just goes to show what could happen here in the United States were the Equality Act to pass, which is that we would have in place a deeply authoritarian bill that would allow the government to insert itself into legitimate disagreements about the meaning of sex and marriage. And so we ought to be paying attention to what's happening in the UK. And we also should be paying attention to what these radical feminists are saying, which is reminding us that women are entitled to female-only spaces. They are entitled to safety and privacy, particularly in areas such as private locker rooms, showers, et cetera. And so the, the writing is on the wall when it comes to the UK. The US should pay heed and keep that in mind when talking about the Equality Act. Final thing I want to ask you about is we know that um, the Democratic Party is all in on this. All right? We know this, okay? So the question then becomes how strong, pardon the pun, is the resistance to this in the Republican Party. And um, we saw a Republican governor in Massachusetts who would not resist this, and his state became the launching pad for gay marriage. Uh, the previous Republican Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, actually voted for ENDA when he was in the Congress. So we know that the Democrats would, would use the coercive power of the state to make us all conform uh, to their new spirit of the age morality. How strong, though, is the resistance to this in the Republican Party? That is an excellent question. And I would say it's any man's guess how this is going to play out politically. Uh, it's unclear where exactly how, how strong the resistance will be from the Republican Party. But I think no matter what, we have on our hands an opportunity to revisit whether or not these kind of laws constitute good policy. And we've seen in all of the states where they have been implemented, lots of negative legal outcomes where businesses have been shut down, charities have been shut down. There are three lawsuits now where Catholic hospitals were being sued because they declined to perform hysterectomies uh, on otherwise healthy females. And actually one of those cases, uh, if I could correct my earlier statement, it actually involved a case where a 16 year old wanted to have a double mastectomy in <sighs> order to live as a man. And so we should revisit what's happening on the state level, which is that these bills are not being used to promote equality. They're, they're not being used to promote equal treatment under the law. They're being weaponized in order to punish people for their beliefs. And so we would hope that all politicians, regardless of party, recognize that this is a nonpartisan issue and that implementing common sense policy means that we need to take these laws seriously. Monica, excellent job. Is there a resource you can direct our audience to if they want to follow up and keep up to date on this issue? Of course. They can check out all of our scholarship at heritage.org as well as the Daily Signal, which is dailysignal.com. Monica Burke from the Heritage Foundation. Monica, thanks for joining us today on The Blaze. Great work, and uh, we greatly appreciate your time here today. Take care, all right? Thanks again for having me. You bet. Let's get some reaction. We just heard from Monica. Todd, your thoughts? Uh, fantastic uh, job, Monica. I thought it was interesting when you, the question about how did the, the, the T aspect of things 
mm-hmm. get to this point so quickly. And, and she said, well, it's just an extension of the same thing. We've, we've talked about that before, but we've talked a lot as well about, you know, what do these people really believe this stuff about gay marriage, transgenderism? And there is a point to which that it's not the same for each progressive. They all have their love is love on some level about something. But quite frequently, I, I think they do get to the point, well, that's that's kind of weird. I'm not sure I think that. So why do they keep going? They don't relent. They don't recheck themselves. They keep going because it's about what Monica said at the very end. Ultimately, this is about something bigger. It's about weaponizing these things, whether yep. you believe them or not, to destroy the very order of reality. God's order. That's what they're up against. Um, you said as much in a uh, uh, column uh, you wrote last week about the woman you just mentioned, the Catholic woman. I mean, they, they, they are. it's a frontal assault on reality itself. And if they don't believe all of the particulars... They ultimately are keeping their eye on the prize, the 400 pound gorilla in the room, and that is God's order himself. Because here's the thing. They've won everything legally they could want. Yep. Okay. And 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 this is where this and and the fact that they can't stop, won't stop, only proves my point that I've made about this for years. This isn't about equality. I'm sure there are plenty of, well, actually, marriage rates among gay men are anemically low. Most gay men don't get married. They don't want to be married. They don't want to be married. They don't want the, um, and and divorce rates among gay women is abnormally high. This is all objectively true. You can verify These are all stats. Absolutely. Okay. Um, But I'm sure there are, amongst those who are same-sex attracted and have chosen to take advantage of the state's redefinition of marriage. I'm sure most of them would prefer just to live out their lives as is. But the issue here is, is has never been about giving you that opportunity. This is about validation. Yes. This has never been about why can't I visit my partner in a hospital the way a heterosexual couple could? It's those were all canards. This was never about why, you know, two people that are consenting adults. How hey, I married my gay partner. How does that impact your marriage and your life? It was those are those have all been canards. That's why there's this guy on Twitter, Chad Felix Green is his name. He identifies as same sex attracted. Him, he has a gay partner that he is the state says they're married. He's also one of the most devastating takedown artists of all of these canards because he realized that, whoa, this is actually about, um, this is replacing an inquisition I didn't like with another inquisition. You you say you want a revolution? Yeah, that's what this is about, okay? Gosh, I love that song so much and it's so brilliant, okay? But that's really what it is. Okay, you actually you want to you want you want the killing fields with with your guns. That's what you really want. This is I want validation. I want and demand if if God will not, if my creator will not say I was born this way, I was made this way. There's nothing about it that I can do. If and all of you who will not validate me. As Eric Erickson coined the phrase, not me. Many of you have said, hey, this is Steve Dace's phrase. It's not. 
it's Ericsson's. And I've corrected that how many times? Okay? You steal the things you love, just like with the McLaughlin Group. <laughs> yes. yes, I'll let you know when we stole something. We stole, we stole everything from the McLaughlin Group, absolutely. This is Ericsson's phrase, and he's dead on right. You will be made to care. Bingo. You will validate me or you will be made to care. There is no tax credit. There is no statute. There is no law. There is no accommodation. There is no special treatment. There is nothing you could give me. It is full validation of how I want to live my life or nothing. That's what it is. And that's inherent to progressivism. Yes. That's why you can't negotiate with progressivism. It is you slit your own throat or you let me do it. Or that's the choice. That's the choice. There is no 50%. There is no 65. There's not even a 90-10 here. It is I slit your throat or you do it. That's the offer. And that's the only offer. And choose which one you will accept, Aaron. That is dead on. And it relates, and I'll try to boil a lot of thoughts down here uh, in, a, in a, just a couple of minutes. But we always, when we talk about the root of per, per progressivism, we talk about this very first lie in the garden, ye be like God. That is really at the heart of this. You just mentioned it was never about visitation rights. It was never about uh, estate rights. It was never about all of those legal things, those legal accoutrements of, um, of being married uh, that the state puts on you. It was never about any of that. It was not about redefining marriage. It was never about that. A different way of saying what you just said, Steve, it was about forcing, and I'm, I'm, saying, this, I'm saying these words very carefully because they all have meaning. It was about forcing the culture, and really the church, because the culture always wants to go here. Forcing the church, or compelling the church, to accept the undefinition of gender. Because it wasn't about men marrying men, or women marrying women. It was about anybody marrying anything. As soon as you force that lie, or get that lie to be accepted, you can just about uh, force... The acceptance of anything else, mm. and that's what we're seeing now. That's why it took so, so uh, such a, such a small amount of time to get to where we are right now. Is because it's so much easier to define anything. I'm a I'm a Muslim atheist pansexual vegan lizard people. Um, you have to respect me as that and give me props for for making this choice about or being born this way. It's so much easier to get those lies to be believed by anybody else. Once a person has decided, though, that they are a Muslim, atheist, vegan, trans, pansexual, lizard people, um, they are saying that I am God. The gender or whatever God created me as, no, I get to decide what I am. I get to decide my own fate. I am like God. Why did God, one, I, this is one of the things that, 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 you know, you think about sometimes. Why did God give us a choice whether or not to follow him? whether or not to, um, to, to, to get to know him, to know him and to, to love him. Um, I think it's interesting. How much glory would there be in be for God if he just create us, created us to all be robots, just, just worshiping him? There wouldn't be as much glory as there is when you give a, a, another being free will to choose to follow you and to know you and to glorify you as God. When you decide for yourself that you are your own God, what's the first thing that a fallen human being is going to do if they don't get what they want? They will bend your will 
they will try to bend your will mm -hmm. to glorify them. That's really at the heart of all of this is. This is a, again, I'm not breaking any new ground here. This is as much a spiritual battle against the bowels, and I mean the bowels of hell, as it is a, a cultural battle, um, a, a legislative battle, a legal battle. We know that. I'm not breaking any new ground here, but I hope, I hope that underscores where we are. There's a poll out today. Uh, the Hill has it, um, a national poll that shows, and they're they're traumatized because they were all ecstatic that uh, young conservatives like Aaron, young Republicans, Aaron's age, were all in on the rainbow jihad just a few years ago, right? And now there is a steep decline amongst young Republicans on this view, on this issue. And the number one reason why, we all know what it is. They've watched Bake the Cake, Bigot, and they, because they were sold your age group was sold, Aaron. Love is love, man. Except um, when you try to have any individual autonomy, freedom, uh, liberty, then it's not. And that's, it, it's the rubber band effect. It's not that they've suddenly discovered traditional sexual ethics and morality. It's that they've watched the game plan of those promoting the, 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 the untraditional view. They've watched what their end game is. And there's a revolt now amongst these millennial conservatives and Republicans. There's a, start, she, a, 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 a steep decline. Now, if they're honest with themselves, they, in re, they reverse engineer this thing. They should end up with traditional morality. Even As a it, result, yes. we realize that that's why we had humans, those traditions. Humans are, yes. humans are much better at it. Than they are yes. acting affirmatively on something. But you know what the irony of this is? We are literally five minutes away. We are five minutes away from your new conservative heroes that are sensational. They're the new face twigs and berries. The new Facebook sensation, new Fox News contributors, CPAC headline speakers, twigs and berries. What what is it? The the the, uh, the pansexual. Give me the uh, yeah, Muslim atheist vegan pansexual lizard yes, people. Yes, twigs and berries. That's who they are. And they're your new conservative heroes. You love them on Facebook. All their videos go viral, uh, and uh, and and they they're they're headlining CPAC next year. You know we're five minutes away from that. You know we are. You know we are five minutes away from twigs and berries being the new conservative. Your new conservative media sensations. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm just wondering why you're actually going to give them five minutes. <laughs> I'm getting soft in my old age. <laughs> you know what? I'll let that stand. Um, many of you have heard the phrase, uh, God helps those who help themselves. And you think it's in the Bible? It's it's not, actually. I remember I, I was convinced it was. You know, back when I was one of those non-Christians that was convinced I knew it was in the Bible that I never read, right? Uh, and I remember I was at church. We, we, I was in the seeker stage, and it was at church one day, and the pastor said that it was not in the Bible. I almost stood up in the middle of the service. My wife had to push me back down. I was convinced. Blasphemy! Yes! I was convinced <laughs> this was in the Bible. It's not in the, it's not in the Bible, okay? But— um, that also, however, doesn't mean we aren't to be good stewards of that which God has given us. That is in the scriptures, right? Yes. Absolutely. And one of those things we're to be a good steward of is uh, the body that he gives us. And way too many of us, because of uh, the way we eat and process and distribute food nowadays, uh, we're missing out 
on the vitamins, nutrients, uh, probiotics, prebiotics, um, uh, the antioxidants that uh, God put in a lot of those fruits and vegetables that aren't a part of our daily diets anymore. Let me give you a solution to that. It's called Field of Greens from, from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. It is a real USDA organic fruits and vegetable mixture that mixes with any uh, water-based drink. I mix it with water. I mix it with teas. I use this on a regular basis. It tastes great. You know, it kind of tastes like that mean green machine without the 79 grams of sugar, though. All right. So I would highly recommend it. It is real food. That's why when you turn over the label, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts. This is real food, and it's a great way to trick or inspire your kids to drink their vegetables. Uh, you can get it right now. 15% off of your first order at Brickhouse Nutrition. I'm sorry, BrickhouseSteve.com. 15% off of your first order if you use promo code Steve when you go to BrickhouseSteve.com. Again, that's BrickhouseSteve.com. Use my name, promo code Steve, not just a swear word this time, but use it to get a 15% discount at BrickhouseSteve.com. All right. Um, I've got a tease, and we have a truth bomb we have to get to next segment, too, because it also ties into what we talked about with um, with fake news or not. That are, Do we just want... Yeah, I hate your team. I hate my, that team sucks. I like when they lose, man. Yeah. And I get it. You know why I get this? Because when Michigan State made the college football playoff because our guy dropped a punt in one of the most crushing, embarrassing losses you can ever experience as a fan. All right? I can still hear Sean McDonough going through puberty, no. losing his voice on the call in my head. I'll never forget it. All right? And because of that, Michigan State was in the playoff and not us. When they had those playoffs on New Year's Eve and the ratings were bad, I watched every snap all the way to the end on New Year's Eve and enjoyed it. Watching Alabama just Pollocks. Michigan State, man, I loved every second of it. That's why I get this idea. I get this persona. I did it. I'm not, I get I totally get it. Here's the problem though. It's it's fine when it's your sports teams. Because it's frivolous and meaningless. But when we're talking about the civilization we're going to maintain, conserve, and pass on to this and future generations, I kind of think we might need a little higher bar here, guys, to clear. I think we need a little bit more meaning than, hey, let me just uh, log on to my Reddit forum and talk about how CNN sucks tonight. I think we, don't you think we need, I, I think, I... I, I don't want I want us to have a better answer for our grandkids when when we hand, when when they are ruled by the barbarians coming over the gate. I want my grandkids to come up to me and I want to have a better answer than, well, dude, I, I had to, uh, dude, I'm sorry, grand grandson, I had to get clicks by trolling CNN again today. I didn't have time to defend. I'm, I'm sorry you had no guns to defend yourself. Against the progressive statist armada, but we had to just we we didn't have time to defend our Second Amendment rights because we had to get you know we had to troll Brian Stelter on CNN again today. I'm sorry, dude. I think you'll be okay with it, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think maybe we need a higher bar. All right, so we're going to talk about that, and then I wonder if we're all being trolled by Jordan Peele's new movie. We'll discuss that too when we come back here live and on demand on the Blaze next. Stay tuned. <laughs> Step 
studies show most New Year's resolutions don't pan out. In fact, there was a study recently said that about 80% fail, usually by the time we get to the spring. Uh, and, and one of the reasons why is by far the number one New Year's resolution is to lose weight and get healthier. And as we get older, that gets a lot harder. You can make a lot of the right decisions, all right? And, um, and then not make the progress you want. And then you kind of just kind of give up. And the, the, the reason why it gets harder is our metabolism. You know, it's harder to turn our bodies into fat burning machines than it was when we were in our 20s. It's much harder the older we get. That's why I want to introduce you to this new product. It's called Riduzone. Now, this is not... Um, you know, this is not a stimulant. Uh, in fact, the main ingredient of Riduzone, and it's only got like three ingredients, and the main ingredient is called OEA, and it's one of the main ingredients you find in olive oil. In fact, our bodies produce a lot of it. It's just as we get older, it produces less and less, and it's a metabolic regulator and booster. You could you could drink an entire bottle of olive oil a day and get the same results you would get from one capsule of Riduzone. So if you just love your olive oil, man, you want to, you know, you want to mainline that stuff, go for it. Um, but for everybody else who may like olive oil a lot, but doesn't want to drink a bottle of it a day, uh, I suggest you try out Riduzone. And right now they're running 30% off a three month supply. If you use promo code Steve, when you go to Riduzone.com, that's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com. Let you in on a little secret, by the way, I'm using it right now. Um, I changed my lifestyle, um, uh, I have been a keto guy for the last few years, kind of plateaued there. Plus, I, you know, you just, I got to change things up every now and then. I get bored. That's why we change the set sometimes. We change the music sometimes. I get bored. Okay. So I'm doing a fasting thing now where I fast for 16 hours a day. All right. And all of the eating I do can only be done in the other eight hours a day. So I'm using Riduzone as kind of, because it works as a metabolic uh, regulator as well uh, that tells your body, hey, you're full, you're good to go. So I'm using that to help me get through those 16 hours a day, about eight of them, six to eight of them, I'm sleeping. But the other uh, eight to 10 of them, I'm, I'm wide awake. So I'm using it right now. I'll keep you updated so far. It, it's working pretty good for me. I'm not, you know, really hungry at 1030 in the morning, even after I work out. So uh, give this a shot. Riduzone.com is the website. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Use promo code Steve to get 30% off a three-month supply right now. Riduzone.com. All right, let's get to today's truth bomb. And we'll keep this one a little bit short today. Brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Available at bookstores right now, but you can get your copy at Amazon.com today. If you would be so inclined to leave us a five-star review, if you've read the book and you like it, we would appreciate it. Thank you to all of you that did that already. I want to go to this tweet um, from Josh Blackman at the Cato Institute. And he writes, I shudder to think what would have happened if President Obama, through executive action, reversed course and banned a type of firearm owned by 200,000 Americans, and the Supreme Court declined to issue an administrative stay to permit disposition of cert petition. Now, what he's referring to is the Trump administration uh, in response to what happened with the Vegas shooting, which we still have apparently no reason to know why this worst mass shooting in American history took place. But since Mr. Paddock used what are called bump stocks, now I'm not, I, I know a lot about the Second Amendment, okay? I don't know a lot about guns, though. That's where Aaron, that's kind of Aaron, your job, all right? My understanding of bump stocks, though, is essentially they're a device to simulate 
uh, turning a regular weapon into an automatic weapon. Is that correct? Kind of. It just allows your finger to pull the trigger a lot more rapidly for semi-automatic weapons, which are weapons that you can fire one after the other, but not fully automatic okay. to where you can just pull down the triggers. I'm glad you're here. Otherwise, I would have been rightfully lit up on my Twitter account today for giving out incorrect information on guns. So thank you. Okay. Um, in response to that tragedy, the Trump administration, via executive order, just banned them. Now, I did write a column in USA Today calling the bluff of the gun of the gun control freaks after Vegas and said, hey, if you guys want to have a conversation about, you know, what we could, what what is sensible policy, let's have a conversation. You want to have a conversation about what bump stocks are and what they do? Let's have a conversation. And the conversation was every gun control canard that's ever been uttered. And we didn't have a conversation about bump stocks. The Trump administration just banned them. And, and here we have uh, Cato Institute saying, imagine if President Obama did this. Here's my question. How many of you even knew the Trump administration did this? How many of you even knew this? I, I mentioned a while ago, hey, those folks whose who's, who's, uh, profiles have blown up because they correctly uh, diagnosed and deconstructed the Russian collusion hoax, well, now that that's gone, what are they going to do with all these audiences they've built and all these Fox News appearances they have now? Are they going to talk about just unilaterally uh, a, a, a executive infringement on the Second Amendment? And then the Supreme Court, it's funny, the same courts who, when the, when the Trump administration tries to uphold their constitutional authority, tells them they can't. And then when the Trump administration decides it's going to buy executive fiat, unilaterally infringe on your constitutional freedoms well we can't have a hearing <laughs> yeah there this when that's this is the one time the courts are like yeah the trump trump's totally right about that that that's he's totally right about that executive action so there's two canards here blown up by this one is how much did your favorite conservative media star and outlet tell you that the trump administration had even done this how many and then two the idea that uh, we can use the courts as conservatives. <laughs> one time, one time, Trump tries to take all these actions that for years we could not get any Republicans to do anything we wanted them to do. And he's actually tried to do it several times because Congress won't do anything either. Um, it's no matter who wins. And the courts always tell him, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And then the one time he takes action against us by executive action, the court's like, you can absolutely do be that. Be my guest. Be my guest. Yes. Yes. So this was, we killed two canards with one stone today. <laughs> That's our new efficiency policy at the Steve Hold Day Hold on a second. I gotta, I, I'm going to cut myself. Um, okay. You know what? We need to run more of that video of the Pope. I, I, that no, would make me. Yeah, that, I think we tapped that one out. No, I need I'm to. I need, anything, anything that might make me feel better. Smoking toddler. Mike, Mike. I don't even know if the smoking toddler. I might. I need Jihadists to see. getting blown that, up. That the day that the watching. That is still glorious, but. <laughs> I, I, toilet, I, toilet. I, yes. <laughs> damn it! You got me with that video again. <laughs> I was really good. At, I was. <laughs> All right, I'm good now. I was really going to dig in my heels too and not give up the ghost this time. I was I was going to end this show surly, but that kid, man, every time. 
The day, though, that the, the, the jihadists getting blown up in mid-rant, the day that that doesn't cheer me up, that's the day I need to walk away. Don't you think? Like, you know, your athletes and stuff say, hey, the day that I came to the ballpark and the fire in the belly wasn't there, that's when I knew it was time to go, you know? The day that that jihadist getting blown up in mid-rant, the day that it doesn't put a smile on my face is probably the day that the George Costanza tap, you know, where you, you did your, you gave your best shot. It's time to move on. Yeah. Thing now. You know what I'm saying? I do. All right. Let's get to, uh, speaking of uh, George Costanza with the pop culture reference, a very, a, a much more brief pop culture Tuesday. We look at the intersection between culture uh, and conservatism uh, here on this show each Tuesday at some point in time. And it will be this time, this Tuesday. I went and saw Jordan Peele's new movie, Us, yesterday. And um, I didn't it, even know there was such a thing. It's like the best reviewed mainstream film release so far this year at Rotten Tomatoes. I think I saw last, it was like 100% or 98 or something. Now, Jordan Peele's last film, I think, is one of the most brilliant films of the last few years. And how many, in fact, we, we kind of invented this segment because we kept talking about Get Out, or at least I kept talking about Get Out so often. So my discussion of Get Out is what gave birth to this as a segment. And what I found so fascinating about Get Out the entire time is the villain of the movie is white progressives. They are the villains of the film. And that white progressives use black people for their own machinations. They don't care about them. And the main villain of the film, Bradley uh, Whitford. Uh, Whitford, the guy from uh, the, the left West wing. wing. The left wing. Um, he, uh, he even says in the film, hey, I, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a racist. I voted for Obama twice and I voted for, voted for him for a third time if I could have. All right. So the villains of the film are white people who just use black people. Use them as their cleaning people, as their mascots. And they're all white liberals, not just white people. They're all white liberals. Every last one of them in the film is a white progressive. And in fact, at the heart of their plot is to actually steal black people of their blackness. They're literally draining the blackness from them. Aaron, am I making any of this up? Nope. Because every time I bring this up, people that haven't seen the movie think I am... Steve, there's no way that movie would get made. It not only got made... It was a massive hit and got nominated for Best Picture. And the white progressives, it trolls, stood up and applauded it at their award ceremonies. So us. This is his follow-up now. I saw this yesterday. You know that gif of the guy with the, with the mullet, the white guy with the mullet, who just gets up, the blonde mullet, and he looks around, he's like, what the... You know, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen that gift get shared oh, all the time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. one, okay? Yeah. My reaction and my wife's reaction to this movie all the way through is that gif. What is this? I, I wanted to stand up 10 times in the film and say, what are those? What is this movie? It's pointless. It's total trash. I mean, trash. It's confusing, but not in a way that makes you want to jump online and watch videos about what's it mean, it, but in a way that you, you're like, please make this end. Make it end. 
Is there even a baseline you can I, give me for what I, this I, is I, about? We don't, it's never, you don't know if they're clones, if they're doppelgangers, if they come from sewers. Sub, there's some crawler about, there's hidden subway tracks under subway tunnels underneath all of America. And then you see a group of rabbits. That's literally the first minute of the movie. Were you high? <laughs> Maybe I should have been. Okay. I, I mean, this, this, and then you kind of, you, you get the feeling it's kind of trying to be like, um, 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 a quiet place with the family besieged. Okay. Except. It, it, the movie's terrible. It is objectively awful. And I, I say this as someone who's a huge fan of his previous work. Get Out might be the one example of four-dimensional chess. It's just brilliant on multiple levels. And it got the very people that it trolled the whole movie, it got them to reward it and applaud it. I was very angry, and my wife was too, when we walked out of there yesterday. We hated this movie. Hated it. It is, I wrote a scathing review on our Facebook page. Congratulations to the nine people that Facebook will permit to watch, to see that on your newsfeed today. Everybody else, click like 26 times to make sure that you can also maybe get access to my Facebook page. And then I got to thinking this morning. You know, M. Night Shyamalan made several good movies before he went through his turd burglar phase, right? Yes. Where everything he did just sucked. Like, he did like two or three objectively great movies. Yeah, three. And then just, you know, for the next, then there's like the lost decade, right? Who, can you remember someone who made one great movie that came out of nowhere and then after that just blew chunk watts? Doesn't, that doesn't happen often, does it? Like, if American Graffiti is a great movie. And that's the movie George Lucas made before Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Peter Jackson made King Kong after Lord of the Rings. That, that was one example I thought about. I thought about that example. But when you watch King Kong, you can tell the problem with it is it's so self-indulgent. Like it needed an editor. It needed somebody to come in and say, your three and a half movie, your three and a half hour movie is like Melancholy and, Melan, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins. It's a mediocre double album. But if you just took the best songs on both albums and made one album, you made the best album of the 90s. You know what I'm saying? If you made King Kong a two and a half hour movie instead of a three and a half hour movie, that might have actually been really good. This movie is trash from stem to stern. It would be trash in an hour and 40 minutes. It'd be a trash at two hours and five minutes. It'd be a trash in an hour and a half. You couldn't come up with 30 good minutes in this movie. Like this movie wouldn't make a good commercial. Chuck Woolery, two and two, still trash. No... No, nothing in this film, nothing they could have edited it down to would be good. It's terrible. And so I am now wondering. If the Rotten Tomatoes score is just like the Oscars clapping. If No, no, I'm wondering if Peel. Because what's Peel doing? Do you know what his new project is now? Have you guys seen? No. The Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm. He's taking yeah. over the Twilight Zone. Really? He's doing that franchise for CBS's uh, online channel. Yeah. Hear me out here. This previous movie is a trolling of white progressivism 
and how it actually dis- it doesn't help the cause of blacks at all. And white progressives are like, ah, damn, we are terrible people. Thanks for letting us know. Here's another award. We really appreciate it. Is it possible? He just got together with his team and just said, Dude, Double down. can you imagine what tripe we could put on celluloid? And those people will yeah, stand up because it has my name on it right. and tell it that I could literally crap. I could drop a deuce on their face. And these white progressives will say to me, that's that's yeah. the best deuce anybody's ever dropped. That's what I mean like, by ever, the tomato ever. score. Yeah. No one's ever squeezed one off as good as you have ever. That's the best. That is the absolute best anybody's ever squeezed off. Thank you, sir. Can I have another? I'm wondering if this movie is a troll. Like, it can't be, th- like, if they tried to make a movie this bad, could they have made it this bad if they tried? If they tried this much talent? I think the answer is no. So I'm wondering, is this intentional? So this is like the Beatles writing I Am the Walrus? Is it, that's, oh, that's a great comparison, yeah. If Peel is just like, dude, cuckoo-cachoo, brother. If it was anybody else, I don't know that I'd believe you. But remember, this is the guy from the comedy sketch artist Keen Peel, and remember, yeah. you and I laughing hysterically about what he, how he was mocking mm-hmm. inner city classrooms yes. and the names and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. I mean, they aren't—they are equal opportunity. We're, we're going to cut you because you deserve it. So I, I think, I think you might because be when you something. watch this movie, it, 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 there's not a lot of big budget special effects. They probably could have made this movie for thirty, forty million, which is cheap by today's big budget Hollywood standards. It more than made its money. It's the number one movie in America right now. I'm wondering, did they get together and say these white, these white leftists, man, we are just going to do a movie that is hot trash, and their white liberal guilt is going to say. Man, that, that's no. Uncle Tom's cabin, brother. At the beginning of this, I was just intellectually curious about what you're going to say. Now I'm I'm strictly where you were when you were hoping uh, Chris Christie went and got the French fries with this. <laughs> you want this to be true? It has to be. Please, God. Do me a favor. Go see the movie. Okay. You're going to make me just go see yes. something awful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell me, because I need to know if it's as objectively awful as I think it is. Because I, if it is, I think that may, I think it's possible this is true. There's no way someone that, because there's nothing redeemable. Like, that's my point about the Peter Jackson, King Kong thing. There's parts of that film that are actually cool. It's just they're completely overdone by the parts that aren't. There is nothing good in this movie. Nothing. Everything, what you think the movie's about when you see the trailer, it's not actually about that at all. That's not. There's there's like nothing. There's nothing in this film you're like, man, if they just would have done that, you're like, why did I spend two hours in the theater with any of this? There's precedent for that. And this is what Andy Kaufman used to do. He used to do his performance art was just about making you kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And so this may very well be a version of that where it's not what's going on isn't what you think is going. Don't forget our Blaze Roundtable today. We're going to find out who showed any self-awareness uh, in response to the Mueller report. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.